Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 77, How to Ask for Help. You're in class and something doesn't quite click for you. And you think, no biggie. But soon, one thing snowballs on you and you're feeling lost. And it's almost like your professor is speaking a foreign language. Shout out to the foreign language professors who are quite literally doing that. You're lost and you're feeling embarrassed. You're feeling scared to say anything. You're in college, and that should mean you know these ideas inside and out, right? Does this imposter syndrome sound familiar? It can be really tough to ask questions in front of others, whether it's a small class of 20 where you all know each other well, or it's a class of more than 100 where you don't. All of us are on some level afraid that asking for help makes us look weak or unprepared, and that everyone's going to remember that we didn't know something. And forget the peers. What if the professor remembers that we didn't know what a reading was about? Remember the 555 rule that Denor and I have talked about many times before in this podcast? Will this be important or remembered in five hours or five days? How about five weeks, five months, five years? It's easy to get caught up in the moment but realize that is momentary confusion. Another article that I send to my students talks about the spotlight effect, that feeling that because you missed a cue, because you dropped the ball, because you had to ask for help, or you didn't understand something, or you gave the wrong answer in class, your brain has decided everybody saw that, and everybody's going to remember it, and everybody's going to think I'm stupid for the rest of my life. And the fact is, that's not true. The spotlight effect lies to you. Most of the people in your class don't care that you didn't get the question right. They're worried that they're not going to and that everybody's going to remember that they didn't get it right. And remember that your professor has no idea what makes sense to you and what's really confusing. And that's not out of malice. Sometimes we'll teach the same courses so the material we cover really makes sense to us because we've had the benefit of working on that material over and over and over again. But for students, this is something new. This material is fresh. And we've talked about how freshness and newness can lead to confusion. We talked about how the first time you try something, the first six to eight hours of practice, you're going to be really confused. It takes that time and that repetition until you approach competence with a skill or competence and confidence and comfort with material. So odds are your peers are also confused with you and your instructor probably has the benefit of experience to be able to clear up any confusions. I had a student today. Um, I was grading a class and I was grading uh, the writer's workshops. And at the end of the writer's workshops, I always ask my students, you know, reflect on this. And this student said, I am shocked to hear that I'm not the only person with these problems. I always thought everybody else knew what they were doing, and I was just behind. 
I had another student come to office hours and I'll talk about her a little later. And she was convinced that no one else had ever come to my office hours in the history of time, that she was the first person to do it. She was embarrassed. She was upset with herself. She was angry with herself because there was a concept that is admittedly a little tough to get and she wasn't getting it. And I said, how long have you been exposed to this concept? Well, I read it so I should know it. Yeah. Where is that written? Who said that? Remember that we as your professors cannot read your mind. So if you don't tell us this is confusing to me or this just doesn't make any sense, we're not going to know what is or isn't clicking. And remember that no one expects you to know everything. That's why you're a student. It's why you're learning. Your job is to get familiar with the concepts, the ideas, the skills that you're developing through your classes. Mm -hmm. Now, admitting you need help, <laughs> it's a humbling exercise, but it's also an exercise basically in being honest with yourself. Now, it would be hubris. It would be ridiculous for Denora and I to say, hey, folks listening, don't feel nervous. Don't feel scared. No, you're going to feel nervous. You're going to feel scared. That's how our bodies react to new. That's how our bodies react to unfamiliar. That's how our brains react to I don't know this, does that mean that the tiger is going to eat me? Okay, that really is where your brain is going. But if it helps, realize if you have a question, the odds are really good that at least two or three other students have the same question. And like you, they're afraid to ask. Like my student with the writing workshop who was convinced no one else has these problems. I'm the only one who has these problems. Wait, what? Other students have these problems? And if that doesn't help, ask your professor in person privately. Office hours are ideal, but you could also ask them at the beginning or end of class. And we realize that now in the age of COVID, that might be a little more difficult, but you could also drop them an email. Dear professor, during class today, you mentioned the term anomie. I know I should have gotten it by now, but I still don't understand really what it looks like or what it's about. Please help me. And then your professor can send you a private answer. If it's a question that many have, the professor might send out an email of the week and say, hey, so I got some really good questions. One of them was about anomie. So let me go into a little more detail about that. I do that all the time now. When I Every week, I basically go back and look at all the emails I've gotten from students in the past week. And part of my weekly check-in email for my online students is, so I got these questions in email, so let's go over it. I never mention who sent them. I just say, hey, here's a question. Because odds are very good that more than one student had that question. So we put it in the email or we address it in class. And another option that you have, if you don't want your classmates to know your questions and you're on Zoom, you can message your instructor privately. I'll have students private messaging me rather than responding to the entire group in a chat. And I'll just mention, oh, I was asked this question and here's where this goes. But you don't have to identify yourself if you're really uncomfortable admitting that you don't know something, but also realize you're not the only person in that class that might have a question. It is a lot easier to deal with a confusing concept early rather than letting it snowball. Think of it as nipping the confusion in the bud. And the earlier you take care of it, the less stressful the situation becomes. It's a lot less stressful. It's way easier to deal with confusion the first or second time you come across a concept rather than letting it wait until test time. 
uh, two or three or four weeks later to realize, oh, wait, I really don't get it. And now I don't get some of the related ideas. Mm -hmm. Your professors will almost never be angry with you for asking a question about something you don't understand. The only ones that we really hate dealing with, and these are the questions to ideally don't ask your professor, are the ones that are easily answered by looking at the syllabus, like due dates, or what's going to be covered on this exam, or how are grades determined? Because generally the syllabus is the blueprint for the course. Now, if you don't understand something in the syllabus, that's also valid to go ahead and email us and say, I really don't get this part of the grading system. What's not okay is to say, I don't understand the grading system. Identify the particular pieces that you have trouble with and email us about that. We're more than willing to talk about that. But if you just say, I don't understand how this class works. Well, that tells us you didn't read the syllabus. And that's really not a message that you want to send to your professors. Now, when students have asked me about a concept during a test, there is not much I can do. I'm more than happy to answer questions before the test. I can answer it after. But during the test, I'm pretty worried about, you know, giving away the answer. And that doesn't tell me what the student actually knows. But depending on how complex their questions are, I can either give a quick explanation or I might have students go through their material and have a nice in-depth conversation with them. And ideally, this happens well before the test. If you want to understand what is social disorganization in my criminology course, set up a meeting with me and tell me, hey, I don't get it when you're talking about these things. What do you mean? And then we can have that conversation. But the idea is to talk about the material so that the material doesn't just make sense in the moment that we're having that conversation, but also so that it sticks. Maybe it's an idea that you want to explore in terms of research. Maybe it's something that you're going to want to work on professionally. Maybe you just care that you'll remember it for that upcoming test. So going back to the student I had this morning in office hours, she told me she hated asking for help because it made her feel stupid. And it turns out that, like me, she was a gifted student. She was told, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart, over and over again. Hi, let's install a fixed mindset, shall we? And she was convinced that asking a question made her look like an idiot. And so I walked her through how, you know, Denor mentioned a few minutes ago, we can't read your mind. And I need you to help me help you or I won't know what you need help with. I need to know that the directions are confusing or I'll never fix them because I'll think they're fine. I need to know that this part of the syllabus has the wrong date or if you don't tell me, how am I going to know? And I also encouraged her to think of her professors as experts who love talking about their subject because we are and we do and that asking for help gives us another chance to geek out about what we love to talk about whatever it is you're doing us a favor ask your chemistry professor about that thing they're going to geek out about it ask your sociology professor about that thing that they just taught last week they're probably going to geek out about it and finally i also explained that becoming a young adult because she was a freshman means you have to learn how to do things without help. Yes, that is part of showing that you are a young adult. But becoming an adult, not a young adult, but the next step, means learning how to do things together, how to do things collaboratively, how to lean on others, how to ask for help and give it. And so she agreed to try to learn how to ask for help. And I may send her this episode as a tool to reinforce what we talked about. So. Students and teachers, how can you use this? Well, let's talk to students first. 
First, if you're given directions, if it's a handout, if you're given a set of, you know, here's how to do it, whatever, read through them and note places that make no sense to you. And if you find yourself skimming, and 95% of you will, slow yourself down by reading the directions out loud. That will force you to read them slower so that you don't rush, so that you don't skim, so that you are actually reading every word and saying, oh, okay, step seven makes no sense to me. You know, dear Dr. Sanford, when you put step seven and here's what you said, I have no idea what you mean. I looked up this word and I still don't understand what you're talking about. Okay, now I, who wrote those directions, know step seven's a little unclear. Maybe we need to go back and fix the freaking handout and send an email to the rest of the class. Hey class, someone just brought it to my attention that step seven is confusing. Here's what I mean. If you have problems, please email me or I won't know that I need to fix them. The second thing is, of course, email your professor with your questions or concerns. But again, don't just email, this class scares me or I don't understand any of the assignments. No, that's way too broad. You got you to gotta focus it down on something you really don't get. And then email us about that one thing, step seven in the handout or this concept from the lecture. Be really clear, be really concise and be focused on it. You can also email classmates that you know are staying on top of their work and that you get along with. Maybe create a study group. Even today in the age of COVID, you can create a study group online. You can go and all get in Zoom or Google Hangouts or even just a phone call. And finally, be willing to meet with your professor in office hours or be willing to put your hand up and ask questions in class. Or like Denor said, send a private message during the chat and say, you know, Dr. Bloom, I'm really confused about this thing and I don't want to say it in front of all the other students. And this is something that a lot of freshmen especially have trouble with, the office hours thing, because you've learned to think office as principal's office, like you're in trouble. You're not. Our job is to help you understand this stuff. Office hours are where you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with us. So please, don't look at office hours as I'm in trouble or I'm being called on the carpet or, you know, I'm, I'm in Dutch. That's not true. We are there to help you in office hours. That's what it's for. Those are your time to come and talk with us. We're not doing anything. We're sitting and waiting for you. And the way teachers can use this is encourage your students to ask for help. Be completely transparent that you see your job as helping students move obstacles out of their way so they can learn. And then follow through on that. And remember, we have a lot more experience with our material than our students do. And remember that even with those five or 10 or 20 years of experience, directions can still seem garbled. Our explanations can still be a little flat or not be as thorough as we would like. Be willing to try and explain things in more than one way. Be willing to explain things multiple times to try and help students who are struggling. Think of it as helping material stick. Don't let your professional blindness get in the way of your student's success. So that's what we have for you in episode 77. If you are finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. And we'd really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 78, when Adam and I talk about recent research on surface learning versus deep learning. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. 
We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learning made easier. We look forward to seeing you next week.